<laughs> Sometime this summer, join in the fun at Splatterland. Hop in the car and come on down for a ride on our roller coaster of death. <laughs> Built by drunken workmen in the middle of the night, the roller coaster of death slices off heads and other appendages before crashing into a solid brick wall. <laughs> or take a try at the Splatterland blimp jumping ride. We take you up over 1,500 feet before shoving you out the door to certain destruction. <laughs> or maybe you'd like to test your swimming prowess against Undertow Lake, where savage currents pound you against the world's largest man-made reef. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the popular Skull Popper, the Leg Crusher, and always fun for the kids, the Splatterland Vivisector! <laughs> so come on down, parking is free! Leave your keys in the car and start screaming at the gate! It might be your last chance at Splatterland! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour. No less than 25 minutes of sketches, improv, songs, and whatnot from Duck Logic, a Chicago comedy group that had its own two hour radio show called The Cavalcade on WLUP AM 1000, a pretty big radio station at the time. Every Duck Logic Half Hour is chock full of bits pulled from the Loop archives, plus new stuff thrown in for good measure. So take a load off, put your earbuds in, and have a listen. You'll be glad you did because. Here they come, polishing punchlines, writing gags, and jotting down jokes. There they go, wacky, something, something, for you fine folks. Something about funny, blah, 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 hope we don't choke. There you are, listening to her theme song, ta-ta, lowbrow, you'll laugh and howl. Duck logic starting right now. They're out of high school and taking up space at one of the higher seats of learning in the state. Will their professors lose patience before their dads run out of money? Can they hope to break the 1962 freshman class party per hour record? Who will be the first to fall out of a third story window without breaking his Augsburger beer bottle? They're young, they're wacky, they're dudes in college. Day one, meeting the new roommate. Hey, dude, is this room 2105? Sure is, dude. You my new roommate. That's right, man. My name's Tommy. Oh, that's cool, dude. I'm Kenny. Hey, I gotta ask you, man. Do you party? <laughs> I'm the original <laughs> party monster, right. man. I party like Godzilla, dude. Crash and burn. No prisoners. No one gets out alive, dude. Oh, man, I knew it. I knew you party, dude. I could tell, man. Uh, dude walks in my room with an Iron Maiden t-shirt and a pink headband. And man, I say to myself, that dude parties. <laughs> hey, hey, do you like, uh, like reptiles, dude? Reptiles, man? Sure, dude. Lizards. Snakes, man. I love snakes, dude. I, I had a pet constrictor I wore to every Motley Crue concert, dude. Oh, His name was Frank. Man, man, the crew are some dudes, huh, man? <laughs> you know yeah. it, dude. Frank got trampled into John at Poplar Creek. Ooh, that's too bad, dude. Boy, but I got a snake, dude. He's around here somewhere, so don't get freaked out when he pops up. No problem, dude. Oh, man, this is going to be a party in here. Yeah, yeah. Totally. There 
They're young, they're wacky, they're a couple of dudes in college, and they're the end of civilization as we know it. And now, as a public service, the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour Word of the Day. Today's word is. Stymie. This has been the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour Word of the Day. Jack Hailstone is a mild mannered truck driver for the UPS. But it wasn't always that way. In grade school, he sometimes waited until the very last day to return his library books. All through junior college, when he came across that leave a penny, take a penny dish at 7-Eleven, he never left a penny. Now Jack has a great car, a nice wife, and he makes good money. He keeps his nose to the grindstone and out of other people's business. But sometimes, something isn't right. Something is wrong. And someday, he might just do something about it. Yes, he's almost fed up. He's just about had enough. He's... Jack Hailstone, potential subversive. This week, after Jack gets put on the graveyard shift, he realizes his upstairs neighbor is getting ready for work the same time he's trying to go to sleep. Uh, huh? What? Hmm? What's that? Huh? Oh, oh, geez, it's Priscilla upstairs. God, she sounds like an elephant. There, she went to the bathroom. Oh, flush. Now the kitchen. Huh? Now the bedroom. Now back to the living room. Where the hell is it? What, now she's got on her high heels? What, I'll never get any sleep. Back to the bathroom. Back to the, slam the toilet seat. Honey, could, could you call Priscilla? Oh, she's, she's already left for work. Jeez, I don't know the number myself. God, it's like a herd of elephants up there. I, doesn't she own any rugs? That, that's it, I'm going up there. Yeah, I, well, geez, I never really talked to her much. I, I guess she has to leave eventually. Uh, well, next time I see her in the hallway, boy, am I going to give her a dirty look? She, <laughs> once I'm back on the day shift, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, she's, that's, she'll learn her, boy. Next week, Jack thinks about giving his Uber driver a low rating for not using his turn signal, but changes his mind because, you know, the guy's got to make a living on Jack Hillstone, potential subversive. Hey, Jimmy, I've been reading your performance evaluation. It's become quite apparent to the boys in corporate that you're not management material. But HR, I've been hanging around with you two whole years, doing everything you told me to do. Well, Jimmy, that's another issue. You, you don't show initiative, and, and you're a follower, not a leader. Tell him to get bent, Jimmy. Don't pay attention to him. He's bitter because he's been passed over for every conceivable promotion, and he doesn't get any action. Look at him, for Christ's sake. He's a friggin' seven-foot flannel board explosion, just waiting for the right moment to come out of the closet. He does have a point there, H.R. What are you supposed to be, anyway? I'm a dragon. Oh, I won't disagree with you there, but let's leave your personality out of it. What are you and what do you really do that benefits anyone? I told you I'm a dragon, or, or a lizard, or well, listen, talk to corporate. They have my profile and as far as what I do, I'm in charge of you personnel. I, I, I mediate conflicts and provide rationale for company policy. And I benefit you by trying to keep track of your benefits. This isn't about me, it's about you. 
Trust me, Jimmy, this asshole hasn't earned his keep since the addled minds of Sid and Marty and corporate dreamed him up. That's enough from you. Union! Union! Keep that down! Union, We're a close union. shop here, strictly independent. What's a union? It's something you should have joined before agreeing to do this life-sapping sh**. I don't want to talk to our company lawyers out there in the woods. The forest of cutthroats and skullduggery, where it's every man and woman for themselves. Are you threatening me, H.R.? No, no, Jimmy, I'm just saying. He's just saying approve the performance or you'll be putting lids on cans in Lidsville. Implied meaning, corporate speak, legal mumbo-jumbo. That's how all these HR clowns operate. I can always arrange a buyout for you, talking flute. That's original. Why don't you arrange a lobotomy for that psychotic thinking that passes for a brain fart? Maybe witchy-poo isn't the enemy after all. Yeah, Jimmy, it's the corporate witch trying to buck a promotion to CEO. Female upward mobility, we're paying for it all the time. Wow, you do have some issues around women, don't you? We're talking about your performance, Jimmy. Now pick it up or we'll need to look into demotions. Demotions? Hanging around with a brain-deficient rube from HR. If that's not a demotion, tell me what is one. Are you going to make him work in the mailroom? That's the only place HR likes hanging around. But I'll keep your social life out of this discussion. Maybe we should just buy you out if you're going to be this much trouble, Jimmy. Sounds chipper, HR. You write out the conditions and the offer, and I'll have Flute look over it. Yeah, I'll look it over just in case you're planning on transferring my client to some dead-end job. Like working for a rundown bugaloos in Chillicothe. It'll be fair. We don't need troublemakers stirring up our employees. How's three months severance sound? Sounds like music to my ears. Oh, no. You're not ending this scene on that joke. A flute pun? Really? You're lucky this isn't a union production. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the bad guy now? Can't do a little because you can't do enough. My vision of the future of TV is nothing but reruns of Everybody Loves Raymond. Every channel, <laughs> every hour of the day. And it's always called that, or is it different? Like it's you, like you tune, hey, Bonanza's on, and you turn it on, and it's uh, Everyone Loves Raymond? Well, actually, you would turn on Bonanza. It might say that, but it's Everybody Loves Raymond. That cast could do anything. That cast was flexible, like a gymnast. They could do ER. It's uh, Everyone Loves Raymond in cowboy hats. Yes. 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 They just put him in later. They just put him in on, on everybody's head. They could revive combat. Yeah, with uh, Ray Romano. Yes, as Vic Morrow. Gage <laughs> Little John. Well, Law & Order does have like a lot of reruns on TV stations. Is that going to get in the way of the Everybody Loves Raymond? You know, landslide? I'm worried about that. No, because they're just going to, Raymond is going to just solve child rapes and stuff. Everybody loves Law and Order. Yeah. Everyone loves Raymond CSI. They just have variations. <laughs> they just put three letters in the back of every island. Everyone loves Everyone loves Raymond Criminal Intent. Yes. Dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, that's all you actually really need to do is, is every time they switch from one scene to another in Raymond, they would just go, ding, ding. <laughs> and they go, oh, yeah, no, that's... Win, win, no, win. No, that, that's, that's us for you. No, no, I'm getting it. I'm getting a stabler vibe here. Yeah. With the amazing epiphanies that our programmers have today with all these different cable channels. And, you know, there's so many channels. 
There's yeah. a billion things on. Why waste your time with something that doesn't grab you right away? You've got to move on. There's too many other. You're never going to see it all anyway. So you may as well look at something that you're interested in, at least somewhat. And 999,999,999 of them, everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> That would simplify things, that's for sure. You wouldn't really, yes. you, would, you wouldn't need all, you know, you could have all the channels, but you wouldn't need them. But, but you, we wouldn't have this discussion. <laughs> exactly. This would not be on right. our shoulders. But I see the vision of all of these amazing program directors meeting in the middle, picking Everybody mm. Loves Raymond. That's the middle. Because I think their audience research will show that everybody should love Raymond. Oh, well, well, maybe everybody does. I I don't I never thought about it, but I might have feelings for Raymond. I might have a Yeah, I like him, but I need to I need to see more of him. Oh, to know that if it's actually real like love. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I guess so. You don't jump into things, I know. You don't jump into relationships yeah. with especially guys named Raymond. I wouldn't. I could see that. Yeah. 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 I was I, I was like Ray Rayner, you know, back when we were kids, a local guy, you know, I don't know about Ray Rayner. Yeah, because I, was... I can now change channels like to five different places. I'm like, holy cow, that's the, that's the middle part of that Everybody Loves Raymond episode. Flip to a totally different channel or network. Ah, that's the end of the Everybody Loves Raymond episode I was watching. I mean, that's uncanny that somebody would be like tracking me down saying, Tim's obviously watching season four, you know, episode 11 or whatever, you know, and I'm like, good. So it's like they can predict. It's the algorithm. It's the algorithm. Yeah, it's the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, used to, I used to go to high school with a guy named Algorithm. Really? I think he was a Greek guy. Yeah, it's Greek. His dad yeah. don't own the Greek restaurant on Harlem yeah. Avenue over there. The fountain yeah, or whatever uh-huh. it's called. Yeah, yeah, where you could yeah. just get any kind of salad or sandwich you want, ever, anything, 24 hours a day. That was down the street from that Algorithm and Blues Bar, right? Yeah, the Algorithm Blues Bar, yeah. It was just a little on the corner. <laughs> that would be, I wonder what that kind of music would be like, <laughs> Algorithm and Blues. And I, we have we have Algorithm and Blues, I think. Dave, Dave you know, that's true. It would be music that as you started playing it, it would start rearranging itself to go along with what other people were <laughs> listening to at the time. You know, it would all kind of... Kind of yeah. <laughs> it would need well, to Yeah, hear. what everybody's... I was never very good at that, so I never had much algorithm. You know what I mean? I had a trouble keeping up with everybody's algorithm. I've got a, a algorithmia. Oh, you do? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen anybody about it? Have you seen an expert about it? I would save that for the close of the show. They got a pill for that. (laughs) (laughs) Algorithmia. No, that works. It just hurt me to think of. And that's why I have the Fitbit. It checks my... my, uh... For you listeners out there, if you have an algorithm pun, send it to DuckLogic. Send it to P.O. Box (laughs) 734 (laughs) San Clemente, California. Hey, visit our website at ducklogiccomedy.com and use the contact page to send in those great algorithm puns and jokes. We'll put them on the air and uh, you get a warm <laughs> feeling inside. I will get some time off. Yes, and you try really hard and you make it really funny and they, and you'll, you're bound to get a... An attaboy from <laughs> DuckLogic. <laughs> my, my friend's sister used algorithm, I think, and um, it didn't work out. Oh, the algorithm method. How many children does she have? 48. 
Was that the Al Gore rhythm? The Al Gore rhythm, yes. Al Gore rhythm would be very just like, yes, here I am. Keep going, people. Once you got an improv idea, you just got to spin. You know what I'm saying? Until I'm exhausted. <laughs> you keep spinning till exhausted. <laughs> you'll, you'll say something funny sooner or later. And now, Duck Logic explains the joke. Hello, I'm Dr. Joshua Lamprey, here at the Duck Logic Comedy Laboratory in Anada, Indiana. You know, every joke you hear on the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade has survived rigorous testing at our lab. Weeks of rewriting, experimental presentation, and dangerous simulated radio broadcasts all combined to give you the finest comedy available anywhere. Test audiences hear and laugh at the joke long before it ever makes it to your ears, and yet, on occasion, an imperfect joke slips through the cracks and is presented alongside the usual high-quality material you've come to expect here on the Cavalcade. Last week's show was no exception. That is why I've been asked to appear on the show and explain a few of these pretenders to the comedy crown. Scenes where the joke was not apparent for one reason or another. Let's begin by looking at a satirical commercial for something the writer called Big Baby. I'll play you a second of the bit. Then we'll ask the writer to explain his joke. Big Baby is coming to the Rosemont Horizon. Big Baby, 1,500 pounds of toddler in perfect proportion as a result of a nuclear accident at the tender age of two weeks will entertain sold-out audiences two shows a night, Friday and Saturday at 8 and 11 p.m. Big Baby, it takes 10 men to change his diaper, 20 gallons of strained vegetables per day to feed him, and a 50-pound rattle to keep him occupied. I think that's enough. Now let's talk to the writer, David Dunlosky. David, what is the joke behind Big Baby? Uh, well, it, uh, God, it's just it's just silly, you know. I, I mean, it's just ridiculous, really. Uh, a giant baby. Uh -huh. um, you know how they have those shows uh, with the giant pickup trucks and the stuff at the auditoriums? Uh -huh. I'm making fun of that. Are you trying to say that you take this phenomenon of people gawking at huge, useless objects and distort it to such an extreme that the absurdity is laid bare? Exactly. That's it. That's why I'm the doctor. Looked at in that light, Big Baby is quite funny. Now let's listen to a bit of a bit entitled, The Rest of the Joke. Good day, Paul Harvey with The Rest of the Joke. Larry Dunbrook of Cary, Idaho was in a restaurant the other day. Daylight Savings and Loan is cutting its hours back for the fall and winter seasons. You see, Daylight Savings and Loan is open while the sun is up, and they're just plain tuckered out from the long summer schedule. The writer of that piece, Tim Thomas, is with me now. Tim, would you explain the joke? Okay, what I was doing is an impersonation of Paul Harvey, you know, the lunatic propaganda guy. Uh -huh. And instead of telling a story from the news, he's telling a joke. The thing is, he keeps getting sidetracked by these stupid advertisements, so the joke is all broken up and it gets really convoluted. Suffice it to say, the humor was to be found in the rendition of this popular voice as it becomes convoluted in a drastic example of joke overkill to the point of ridiculousness, and once again, 
absurdity. I think you're coming around to the idea. That's why I've got the degree, Tim. Our last piece on Duck Logic explains the joke is such a long one that we won't even try to preview it for you. Simply put, I'm referring to the second half of last week's show. I've gathered the writers of this debacle together in the studio. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Uh, Hi. Pretty good. Hi. 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 If you would do me the favor, exactly what was so funny about that second hour last week? Um, it was absurd? You'll have to do better than that. I'm a certified jokesmith, after all. Uh, um, it was um, uh, a, a parody. Oh, yeah, that's a parody. Parody. Okay, a parody of what? Oh. Uh, the first hour. Right. Yeah, it was a parody of the whole first hour of the show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that'll hold up in the lab, Mr. Denlosky? Oh, um, well, uh, um, we did it to kill time. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you caught us uh, with our pants down, Doc. Again. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm wearing a lab coat and you're not. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> sure. I thought it would work. So there you have it. Duck Logic explains the joke. A chance for us to sarcastically attack our own material, ultimately endearing us to the listener, absolving us of the charge of being intentionally oblique and killing time in the process. A triple threat. I'm Dr. Joshua Lamprey, and I hope I don't have to see you again next week. Take two absurdities and write me in the morning. Hello, I'm Trudy Sunspot, and this is Art for the Masses. Today I have some very interesting guests from St. Joseph up the Sandbox College in Noneck, Wisconsin. They are Father Michael and Father James. Hello. Two priests who have launched a worldwide crusade in the art world. This is their story. It all started fairly simply. Father James Hello. and I were asked to judge an art contest at our college. Well, no sooner had we started to assess the different artworks that we noticed, well, a disturbing tendency among the various pieces. They were all profane filth. Exactly. Luckily, I always carry several gallons of holy water with me. Amen to that. As you can imagine, all this perversion passing off as art, especially at our own college, in our own art classes, well, it made one shudder. Minimalism, futurism, conceptualism, imagism. Yes, pretty terrible. We decided, Father James Hello. and I, to take the big leap and go nationwide. Something had to be done. And so Father James Hello. and Father Mike started to show up at galleries, showings, and other art happenings, always asking the same burning question. Where are the bowls of fruit? They crashed the New York scene. What do you think, honey? The Warhol or the Motherwell? Uh, the Motherwell matches our rug. Yeah, but the Warhol is the better investment. Father James! Hello. Look, Pop Art! <gasps> obscene, obscene! Where's the holy spray paint? I've got it quickly now. I see some surrealism around the corner, Father. Let's go! Where, Where are, are the bowls of fruit? Was that Warhol? I don't think so. Not satisfied with the American art scene, Father Mike and Father James Hello. travel to Europe to invade that hotbed of artistic debauchery, Paris. Where are the bowls of fruit? Pardon? Quick, Father James. Hello. How do you say where are the bowls of fruit in French? 
I don't know. I majored in philosophy in uh, the seminary. Um, oh, escalabolas. Open up in there. We want to check for bowls of fruit. <laughs> Come on, we know you're an artist. <laughs> oh, sacrilege! Blasphemy, foreign investors! Quick, Father James. Hello. The holy water. I let it downstairs with the concierge. Uh, we're four flights up, Father. We'll go get it, Father. I'll make sure this slimy froggy doesn't try to escape. Oh, zoot allures, Father. I'll just keep... Father Mike and Father James. Hello. Two people in the wide world of art that make life interesting. Thank you for listening to Art for the Masses. Next week, Julie Moulter will tell us about her book, Cutest Artists in the 20th Century. Warren Borzello's bachelor pad, normally heard in this time slot, is being preempted so that we may bring you the following program. Guy Talk with your host, Guy Worley. Hello again, this is Guy Worley, and I'm sitting here with two fellow guys and great bowlers in their own right, Art Pachter, Carl Prozinski. How you doing, guys? Oh, hey, Greek okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, tonight our topic is, what are those chicks doing in a washroom? What, did somebody die in there? Yeah. <laughs> Carl, you had something to say about this. Yeah, right, uh, Guy. Uh, the reason chicks uh, take so long uh, when they go into the washroom uh -huh. is because there's a lot to do in there. Hey, chicks' washrooms are full of all kinds of machines. They're well-equipped, you mean? Yeah, they're well-equipped. They got machines in there that do everything. Dispensers, massages, uh, hair dryers. <laughs> they can make keys in there. Yeah, right. Chicks can make uh, duplicate keys in their washrooms. I know that for a fact because at uh, one time I gave my set of keys to a chick, uh, my wife, and she came out and she gave them right back and said she'd found her own. Yeah, they got key-making machines in there for when they lose their keys and they have to make new ones without us knowing about it. <laughs> and Coke machines. Oh, yeah. One time I heard a chick say the Coke machine in the washroom was empty. All the chicks was pissed. Coke machines? Why do they have Coke machines in their washroom? Don't look at me. I ain't a chick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ladies have a lot to do in the washrooms. But what about hygiene? Somebody said chicks have more to do about personal hygiene than guys. It's uh, got something to do with lemons, I think. Look, it's like this. Chicks get a lot more personal hygiene than guys because chicks have a lot more in their body than guys. You remember in the Bible how it says Eve was made from Am's rib? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I remember Well, that. chicks got extra rib. Plus, they got, like, you, you know, they can exchange parts. One chick could give another chick a lung or a brain lobe, no problem. Hey, if I could do that, I would. First thing I'd get is Carl's kidneys. Man, you can hold it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, man, I always learn so much from you guys. And we don't make this stuff up. Yeah, that's because we ain't chicks, you know. <laughs> a, a lot of it's psychological, guy. Chicks stay in the washroom a long time because they feel inadequate. Like for years, they didn't get treat, treated equal to men, so they spent all the time in the washroom where they have like a secret society in there. Women can vote in the washroom, you know. What? They can vote? Well, they can vote outside the washroom too, you know. 
Yeah, nowadays if you tell them who to vote for. <laughs> hey, but I can tell you one thing, guy. If these chicks get equal rights, they'll be a whipping through the washroom like it's a racetrack or something. Yeah. <laughs> you'll have to put a revolving door on it. Yeah, that's what you'll do. <laughs> wow, that's too interesting. And that's Guy Talk for another week. Another thanks to my brilliant guests, Art and Carl. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Join us next week when our topic will be, hey, so how's a guy supposed to make a living in this world? Until then, this is your host, Guy Worley, saying, if you're a guy, then why don't you talk about it? Well, there you go. Another Logic Comedy Half Hour. This was number 99. It featured Ken Campbell, David Dunlosky, Walter Mitchka, James F. Russell, and Tim Thomas. Check out our Facebook page when you have a sec, and our website is ducklogiccomedy.com. Portions of this podcast were previously broadcast on the radio under the copyright of Duck Logic Limited and the licenses of WLUP AM and FM in Chicago. Thanks for listening. See ya.